Greetings, ladies and gents, and welcome to this daily science fiction extravaganza, commonly known as Tales, Tales from Outer from space. Out, space. Out, space. Taken from the subreddit HFY, all the relevant links will be down below. And, as always, I hope that you enjoy. And if you do, please consider supporting the channel. On to the science fiction. Story number one. John and Jane make new friends. Written by no proof and not a bot. The boundary between council-controlled territory and the frontier space, including several systems on either side, has always appeared empty. There were a few shipyards scattered about on either side, the odd populated planets for refugees, but for the most part, no signs of activity. This is largely because anyone in their right minds has moved deeper into their respective territories. It is well known that any non-council ships in the council space enjoy none of the benefits of law brings, and any ships in the frontier space is outside of both protection and punishment. Because of this, space close to the border is considered dangerous for both sides. Slipping across the border, either way, brings with it an invitation to sin as much as you can before you get caught. This is not to say, of course, that this space is empty as it appears. The danger of the area makes it an excellent place to hide from pursuers, to benefit from desperation, and to set ambushes for any foolish enough to be caught out in the open. Kruger preferred the third. He had seen many UGC ships cross the border, most seeking easy money or adventure. There are always stories of pirate billionaires or famous explorers that thrive on the lawless reaches of space. He was never in want for freshly painted ships to scrape and a starry-eyed beings to sell the factions he'd rather not think about. That being said, it wasn't like ships announced their presence to him. Um, sir, we have an incoming communication, says the UGC. Kruger's claws extended slightly in surprise. Was this his trap? His bounty wasn't that high. Any other ships around? His first mate seemed confused. Nope. Just this, as far as we can tell. Huh. Well, bring it up. On the screen appeared two bipeds and a Zudian. The Zudian looked panicked, as well as she should. The others looked, uh, dumb, Kruger thought. He'd never seen their kind before, but the look in their eyes, their stance, and the fact that they were open communications with the pirate ship made them look like a couple of idiots to him. Hello, I'm John, and this is Jane, and we're the frontier liaisons for the UGC. Our race has settled on a planet not too far from here, and we wanted to introduce ourselves. Do you have any fuel? We can't actually leave orbit of your planet. Well, uh, they sounded like a couple idiots too. Kruger was used to idiots, no matter the race. Hello, Jane and John, frontier liaisons for the UGC. I am Kruger, and this is my crew. We'll be taking your ship. Okay, then. Do you have an escape pod? We don't want to kill all of you. The bipeds didn't change their expressions. Maybe their faces were stuck that way, or maybe they thought they looked threatening. That would explain the teeth. Kruger closed the communications and began scanning their ship. He would normally be able to see the hull of a massive ship on his senses, but there was nothing nearly that large around, save for his own ship. 
While his scan was underway, one question stayed in his mind. What in the galaxy is a frontier liaison? We have frontier liaisons, Lariah asked. Technically, yes, the Moxidian counselor said. Six of his eyes stalked staring at her. Lariah's antennae flattened despite herself. She knew the Moxidians used their multiple eyes to appear to have numerical advantage, but they didn't make it less effective. The position has existed for hundreds of cycles as an avenue for negotiations with unaffiliated powers. Any of our existing trade routes exist due to the efforts of frontier liaisons. We have no existing trade routes through the frontier space. Lariah may not have been well-versed in trade deals, but she would have remembered something like that. The eyes strained upon her troop slightly. Well, uh, friendly relations did lead to these powers eventually incorporating with the UGC. Her antenna raised slightly. She could see where this was going. How long has this position been vacant? Two of the counselor's eye stalks staring at her subtly shifted and looked past her. I am unsure, but we are surely due to fill the position. And, in your expert opinion, we should fill that position with two beings that have no knowledge of the unified galactic laws, members, or uh, even the borders. The Moxidian paused and focused fully on Lariah. They will need guidance, of course. As Lariah picked her belongings, she continued imagining strangling the esteemed Moxidian counselor with her own eye stalks. She did not study xenology for six cycles to spend her career in a ship. She did not pay tens of thousands of credits to die in frontier space. She did not. In her hands, long forgotten in the back of a closet, Lariah held a model spaceship she built when she was a child. Well... She had hardly studied xenology for six cycles to sit behind a desk, either. We can't leave orbit. Jane manned the scanners, putting up the pirate ship data. Man, their ship is huge. So, we can't leave orbit. John sat at the controls, moving the ship closer to their target. Lariah did mention that the average cruise size was 50. Our ship is just very small. Excuse me, Lariah yelled. Why can't we leave orbit? Jane turned to the panicking Zudian, watching her lower arms thrash. Like I said, we don't have enough fuel. Don't worry, according to the scans, we should be able to harbor some from the planet's surface. Am I the only one that's worried about the pirates about to get us? John pulled up a targeting array. Oh, don't worry. Nothing you do will make them attack us any harder. Lariah saw the wisdom in his statement and chose to ignore it. Instead, she focused on the positives. What kind of weapons do you have? Well, these are designed to destroy asteroids, but they should work on a large target. We have four shots before we have to reload, Jane said while John began inputting firing instructions. We're using a mining laser against them. Their shields will absorb that easily. John finished his input and turned to Lariah. Lasers? Jane looked at her with excitement. Shields? Kruger finally locked on to the opposing craft. The thing was so small, he wouldn't have to dismantle it to fit it into the cargo bay. Good news for after the fight, but it made the firing calculations much harder. By the time he got the first lock, his ship registered that they had locked onto him as well. Kruger highly doubted that any laser could fit on the ship could get through his shields, and commanded his crew to prepare to fire. 
Halfway through the necessary calculations to fire, his ship registered a second lock. This was a trap, but there was the other ship. He looked at the scanners again, the small enemy craft, and launched a smaller ship directly at them. Before he had time to call the boarding party defense, their launched object impacted the hull. A massive explosion rocked the ship as the warning sirens indicated that over a third of the vessel was now exposed to vacuum. Panicked, he ordered his crew to fire with everything. There was no way the tiny ship could handle more than one shot. Naraya stared in horror as the explosion tore through the pirate ship. The humans didn't develop laser weaponry. They crossed the galaxy, blew themselves up, and colonized another planet. But they didn't develop laser weaponry. You guys develop shields? That's awesome! Can they block anything? Do they weigh a lot? Are they visible? How much area can they protect? Jane rattled off. Lariah allowed her antenna to weakly twitch as she saw the pirate's weapons begin to fire. They hadn't developed shields, either. They were about to be hit by a weapon larger than they were, and they hadn't developed shields. She watched as one of the blasts hits the ship dead on. She felt the temperature raise sharply as the metal absorbed the energy of the laser. She waited for the hull to melt and the vacuum of space to claim her. She waited for the pressurized atmosphere inside the ship to burst through the weakened metal. She continued to wait. Our heat sinks can't handle all of this. We're going to have to cool off on the planet, John said. She looked around. Confused, she wasn't dead. Sure, her feet were beginning to hurt, touching the metal floor, but the ship howled. How were they still alive? Good thing the hulls are so thick, else they would have been a bad. Let's move before they fire again. There was no way they could have known to build the ship that would withstand a laser fire. It was impossible. Lariah scrambled for some explanation, but eventually realized the only reason any of them were still alive was because of blind luck. Fire two! She slumped against the wall, her clothes smoking upon touching the metal. The frontier liaisons, the chosen representatives of the United Galactic Council, in their slightly melting ship, fired upon the first official contact for the second time. Kruger stared in shock at the screen, multiple questions competing for space in his mind. Why aren't they using lasers? Why don't they have shields? How did they survive that hit? Why are they still firing at us? A second explosion rocked his ship. His screen showed that he had lost control of the lower part of his ship, including his engines and the main generators. He estimated that his current crew losses at 40 or more. His lock onto the ship had been broken. There was no way that he could get out of this alive, unless he did something drastic. Hello, Kruger, was it? Jane answered the video feed as she see the assailant on the bridge, which was now slowly filling with smoke, lights flickering behind the captain as the crew scrambled around panicking. Yeah, John and Jane, Kruger stared at the screen, showed to him. The two strange creatures had the same looks on their faces, looks like these thought for sure were threats, as they stood there in their ship, slightly glowing red. In the back, the Zuilian stared blankly forward, smoke rising from her back. Yeah, sorry about your ship, we didn't know how much damage we could do. That's, um, that, that's fine, uh, d do you take prisoners? 
Welcome aboard. We don't really have a brig, so you're going to have to share Lariah's room. This is Lariah. She's a xenologist. I'm sure she knows more about what to do with you than we do. We're going to land, refuel, and cool off. And then, maybe you could show us around the area. We're kind of new. End of story. Story number two. Hatred, written by Shock Lionheart. Pain gives way to anger. Anger gives way to hate. Hatred. Every mind capable of emotion is capable of it. For instance, the lion and the hyena may hate each other, but on a species-wide scale, they won't do more than opportunistic pot chants at each other. And that's the story for most species. Pain leads to anger, leads to hate, and that's where it stops. As the reader is likely surmised by now, humans are not most species. When humans hate something, the chances are that something is doomed. It was humanity's hatred for smallpox that reduced it from deadly threats to literally a prisoner, kept only the small handful of tightly guarded bio-research facilities. It was the USA's hatred of the USSR being ahead in the space race that got NASA funding for the Apollo program, which ultimately put human footprints on the surface of the moon where they remain even today. Sure, it is not the purest or noblest of intentions, but like anything else in humanity's toolbox, it can get the job done if correctly applied. For a while, the fires of hate can burn in many a mind as a wildfire, in humans, it is more akin to a blast furnace. The fires are hotter and purer, and where a physical blast furnace puts out ever-useful steel, the fires of humanity's hate frequently produce something better than what was there before. Because in humanity, hate gives way to motivation. And when enough people are motivated to change something, only the laws of physics themselves stand the chance at emerging unscathed. Now, isn't there some injustice that you're at least a little bit mad about? End of story. And that, my friends, concludes this dose of science fiction fun. I hope that you enjoyed. And if you did, please don't forget to support the author from the link down below. But if you want to support this channel, there are links as well down below for you to help with. But the easiest way would be to share this video. And if you are so inclined, subscribe as well. I will see you all in the next episode. And I hope that you all have a fantastic time until then. Cheers.